0: Good afternoon and welcome. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Hope you're staying warm. Thanks for being with us today. It's another installment of our series of conversations with the candidates. My guest is Bob Wallace, who's running to be mayor of Baltimore. Mr. Wallace made his first bid for public office in 2020 when the former Republican ran for mayor as an independent. He finished a distant second to Brandon Scott, and this year he's running as a Democrat in the May 14th primary. Bob Wallace is a businessman who founded three tech companies, an IT service provider called Bith Group Technologies, an energy services company called Bith Energy, and a training company for women and minority business owners called EntreTeach (laughs) Learning Systems. Mr. Wallace grew up in Cherry Hill. He graduated from Poly High School and went on to earn an undergraduate degree from the University of Pennsylvania and an MBA from Dartmouth College. In addition to his work in the private sector, he has served as the chair for the State of Maryland Information Technology Board, the University System of Maryland Board of Regents, the Greater Baltimore Committee, and several other boards and commissions. Bob Wallace is 67 years old. He has been married for more than 40 years. He and his wife live in Mount Vernon here in Baltimore. They are parents to five children and grandparents to 11 grandchildren. Bob Wallace joins me here in Studio A. You are welcome to join us as well. Our number 410-662-8780. We'll take calls a little later in the program. You can email us anytime as well. Our address midday at WIPR.org. Bob Wallace, good to see you. Thanks for coming back. Good to see you, sir. Good to be here. So um, your opponents, Sheila Dixon and uh, Brandon Scott, uh, and there are some other people running as well, um, uh, but, tout, but but, but uh, Ms. Dixon and Mr. Scott tout their experience in government as their biggest qualification for being mayor. Uh, mayor. Your experience is in the business sector, in the mm-hmm. private sector. Mm-hmm. How does that experience apply and pertain to running the city of Baltimore?
1: So first of all, I would I would add Tom that that experience in a dysfunctional system is no experience at all. So, so you can have experience in dysfunction, but what does that do in terms of impacting the people of Baltimore City? If you look at every metric of success and well-being of a city, if you look at poverty rate, if you look at how children are being educated, if you look at the, the, the prevalence of crime and violence, if you look at food deserts, if you look at decay in housing, and if you, if you ask anyone in Baltimore City, are we going in the right direction in any of those metrics, almost to a man or woman, they will say, no, we are not. So if you take that and look at who's been leading us over the last 10, 15, 20 years, right? And you say, what have they done to to move those metrics in the right direction? They haven't. So when they tell me about experience, experience in, in a dysfunctional system has no value at all. If you look at the quality of life for two thirds of the people in this city, I would ask, has it improved under their leadership? I say not. So that doesn't move that doesn't move me one bit. And I think that one of the things that we need in this city is a leader that understands business, that understands how to build an economy that will lift everyone in the city that understands how to create wealth and how to create jobs. Because what we've done, Tom, if you, if you peel the onion of the dysfunction in Baltimore City, I'm talking about the poverty, the crime, the homelessness, the helplessness. If you peel back the onion, you will find the root cause is economics. It's economic inequality. And until we as a city have the courage to face that, to face the reality that two-thirds of our population, Tom, right? The unemployed and the underemployed struggle every month to make ends meet. Until we fix that equation, this city will never be a great city. We will always have the violence, the school system won't be working, the hopelessness and helplessness will be out of control.
0: But in terms of trends recently... Yes, sir. ...the trend in murders and non-fatal shootings is down. 68 fewer people were killed on the streets of Baltimore in 2023 than in 2022. And Brandon Scott, the mayor, would be the first to tell you that the economic... Uh, stats, the economic metrics of Baltimore are actually very good. The economic growth of the city of Baltimore and the metro region much better than uh, most uh, like cities around the country.
1: That may be true on an ag- on an aggregate level, but two-thirds of the people of this city are not benefiting from that trend. You go to East Baltimore, West Baltimore, Cherry Hill, Mount Winans, Westport, and you ask them that question and they will tell you, no, my life is not better. So I so I think this idea that we need to settle, right? So so we we celebrate oh we versus 300 homicides. We got 263 what, whatever as if that should be celebrated. I applaud the idea that the trend is going in the right direction, but keep in mind we got we got a, Ivan Bates, we got a new federal prosecutor, we got a lot of new blood in this in this fight. So I'm not sure that Mr. Scott can take all the credit for that. In addition to that, and his promises that he made about crime, he said, "I will reduce homicides by fifteen percent every year." So if we if we follow that promise, we should be way below two sixty three or whatever the number is. So the promise was not kept. But as I've always said to Mayor Scott, I always try to be gracious to him and fair. I say, "Okay, Mister Mayor, I give you credit that the numbers are going the right direction, right? Because when the things go bad, the mayor gets the hit for that too. So okay." I give you that. But we as a society should never settle for this is how we should live. And I'm I'm afraid mm-hmm. Tom what happens as we as a city have begun to settle and we don't have the faith that we can do better and be better. But I'm seeing something in the city now with, with the voters. They're like, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm done with this. Bob, let's talk let's talk further.
0: We've had other uh, people from the business community uh, aspire to be mayor. Yes, sir. A few a couple of cycles back, David Warnock, yes, who's sir. a venture capitalist, Mary Miller, who's a former Treasury official, both ran. Uh, were not able to to, to break through. Were right. not able to win. What's different about a Bob Wallace campaign, given the fact that you know your your experience is in business, not in
1: politics? Absolutely. I think my experience being in business and not politics is a plus. And not a negative especially now but let me tell you the difference number one bob wallace is an african-american man who was raised in poverty in the projects in cherry hill right and but because of what mom and daddy did for my 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 five brothers and i what they what they did we were able to move from poverty to prosperity so so baltimore has always been tom a tale of two cities right even as a kid in Cherry Hill, I remember you have the affluent and, and well-educated. You got the working class who are struggling on the other tail, uh, side of the city. Bob Wallace, who started in poverty on one side of that tail of two cities, is now living on the other side. So I have seen the pathways that work for, for taking young men, especially African-American young people, taking them from poverty to prosperity. That is what I want to do as mayor. I want to build those paths out of poverty to prosperity and institutionalize them. Then what does that mean? It simply means to make it the norm and not the exception. You see, because there are brilliant black kids and and, and 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 poor kids in this city, who, if only given the chance, they will become the next Bob Wallaces. But if we don't change the leadership in this city, those young kids are going to they're going to suffer. They're going to suffer in poverty. And, and 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 depression and just a drama of, of, of poverty and what what
0: what's at the center of that change I mean running a private business you yes, got sir. these three companies that you started you've done incredible philanthropic work uh, yes, all around the country in Africa absolutely uh, you know you have uh, you've, you've you've been part of the University of Maryland education system yes, sir. I mean you 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 have that uh, you, you got your finger in a lot of pies. Yes, sir. But running a private company is very different mm-hmm. than dealing with a city council, dealing with a state right. legislature, dealing with uh, the political realities of running a city. Yes, sir. Um, it's just different than running a private company. How would a, uh, your your approach to the, the, the job of mayor? I remember uh, Kurt Schmoke, famous. Uh, yes, sir. You know, good man. Former mayor. Good man, indeed. Um, <clears throat> said that he learned as mayor. That um the uh, to mayor is a verb. you know be, being the mayor is a noun, but Amen. But, but if you're in that job, you
1: gotta you got a mayor Amen. as a verb. How would you mayor? So so I will apply I will apply the principles of business that I use to build my businesses and raise my five kids, eleven grandkids. I will apply those same principles to 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 running government. The couple of things that have to happen. Number one well, we're going to we're going to organize the city into villages. Now, why is that important, Tom? Because I learned in business again, pl- applying business principles. When I started my energy company, we had to segment the market into like categories so that we could map our marketing strategy to meet that particular segment of the market. So when I'm selling solar plants. How I sell it to the government versus the private sector versus to small businesses, it's a different sell. It's the same way in Baltimore City in the neighborhoods. Baltimore has over 200 neighborhoods, Tom. So what are we going to do? We're going to organize the city into villages so that we can— And these are
0: different than councilman districts, different, different than, than police Absolutely,
1: research. because they're going to be tied to the metrics and the characteristics of the people who live in those neighborhoods. So they're not necessarily even contiguous? Well, not necessarily. That's a good point. Not necessarily. But we have to figure out how to, how to do this in a way that is easy to implement and easy to manage. But, 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 but the point is, let me create strategies, right, whether it's crime fighting, whether it's education, whether it's bike lanes, whether it's trash pickup or, or, or collecting re- recyclables. Let me design the strategy to meet the specific characteristics of the village. And so we're going to do that first thing we're going to do. Then what we're going to do, Tom, we're going to move, under Mayor Wallace, we're going to move government services closer to the end users, the same way we do in business, right? So versus people having to come downtown Baltimore to take care of permitting and water bill and all those things, we're going to move those services closer to the the end users through what we call mayor centers, mayor centers. So each village will have a mayor center. The second thing we're going to do in each village, we're going to put in what we call neighborhood economic development centers. What do they include, Tom? They include full scale supermarkets. They include childcare. They include technology training centers. Why is that important? It's important because for years, Tom, this city has created these TIFFs for these development projects. We got these big, shiny buildings in in East Harbor and and all that, and all that's fine and great. But how has it helped? The two-thirds of the people in this city who are unemployed and underemployed, right? It hasn't. Because even when we build, when they've been built, right? We use outside they use outside workers. And the people who occupy them, are they from East Baltimore, West Baltimore, Cherry Hill, Westport? No, they're not. Because those communities don't have the money to pay for it. Again, back to my point about economics. So we in Baltimore have to face the fact, the hard truth. We've got to fix the economy and see so what mail walls would do versus TIFS for building shiny buildings. We're gonna build we're gonna raise money in TIFs to to to, uh, to economically empower these neighborhoods, right?
0: You know, for a thing like you mentioned full service grocery stores. Yes, sir those are hard to attract.
1: They are. Hard All the development
0: developers I talk to say that's the hardest thing when they're putting up a, you know, a mixed-use uh, development yes thing in right. various neighborhoods, uh, regardless of where it is, Harbor East, I mean, you know, Remington, yes uh, sir. any of these places, it's really difficult to get a grocery store. Felicia Porter, a councilwoman from uh, South Baltimore, uh, just was successful in getting another grocery store to replace one that has been vacant for Mm -hmm. years and years uh, over uh, near Mount Clare Station. Um, It's difficult to do that. So how, what's the capacity of the mayor? What would the capacity of a mayor, Bob Wallace, be to attract these businesses? Because, you know, they're not in it for, uh, you know, the good of the
1: neighborhood. Right. They're
0: in it for the good of the bottom line.
1: Absolutely. So, Tom, let's take that that point, because the fact of the matter is that 25 percent of our population in the city live in food deserts. Twenty five percent. One out of four Baltimore uh, Baltimoreans live in a food desert. That is unacceptable. Now. Let's look at the economics. You are correct. So, so the margins for for food food uh, food, uh, food markets is about one percent, one or two percent. Yeah, it's slow. on a good day. It's very, very low. Very, very slim margins. Right. If you add the cost of doing business in a in a tough, low-income neighborhood, that increases their cost by three or four percent. So, versus making one or two percent profit, they end up losing negative four percent. So what the mayor has to do, the mayor has to, to his or her ability, they have to change the economic equation, Tom. So I've got to find ways, Mayor Wallace, I've got to find ways that I can minimize the risk that investors take in building supermarkets in my neighborhoods. And not only that, I need to have a model where the people in the neighborhood become part owners of that supermarket because now you get into the ownership sort of collective thing absolutely absolutely there are things the mayor can do that these mayors don't know to do that bob wallace does and that's why the principles of business and the experience in business is what the city needs right now bob
0: wallace is a local businessman who is running for mayor of baltimore in the democratic primary on may 14th we'll have more with Bob Wallace when our Conversations with the candidate series continues after a quick break. You are welcome to join us if you have a question or comment for Mr. Wallace, 410-662-8780. That's our phone number, our email, midday at wipr.org. I'm Tom Hall. We'll be right back. This is your public radio, 881 WYPR. And welcome back. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. By the way, coming up on the show tomorrow, we will continue our series of conversations with the candidates with the incumbent mayor of Baltimore, Brandon Scott who is running in the primary for re-election. If you've just joined us today, my guest is one of the people who is challenging Mayor Scott for the Democratic nomination for mayor. Bob Wallace is with me here in Studio A. He's running for mayor for the second time. Former Mayor Sheila Dixon is also running. This is her third attempt to regain the office she resigned from in 2010. I spoke with former Mayor Dixon a couple of weeks ago, and recordings of all of my conversations with the candidates are collected on the WIPR website. If you'd like to join us today, our number 410-662-8780, our email midday at WIPR dot org. So Bob Wallace, politics is about coalitions. Yes. Sir. It's about, you know, bringing people together, sometimes even from disparate places, uh, with you know unified around values or whatnot. Um people have noticed because it's the one of the first things folks notice about you is that you were a Republican in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh you ran as an independent the last time in the general election. Uh now you're running as a Democrat. Mm-hmm. So they're wondering where where are you on the political spectrum? Where what values uh are the 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 things that, you know, the the, the animating forces in your life because uh there are people who, you know, just they believe in the in the in the values of the democratic party they believe in the values right. of the republican party right. and the, and, the, and the, the the tribes matter right. in politics so uh, you you've switched tribes a few
1: times yes sir the tribes do matter so but understand two things first of all let's get the cycle clear so i come from a democratic family my first foray into politics was as a democrat all right democrat republican this in, is way in, back uh huh independent this is at the engineering school right and then Democrat. So why am I Democrat? Have you looked at the Republican Party recently? It has become the party of Trump and so and so and, and in terms of me being an African American man and and the, the party of Trump who wants to be a part of that party? So the Democratic Party today, in my view, has the best platform to help people like, like the people in Baltimore City. So so, so that's clear to me. Secondly, Tom, I'm an independent thinker. I am an independent thinker. And I'll tell you what. Which when can I, be really good and really lonely in politics. Well, you need it can coalitions
0: be. to get things done.
1: Everything I have done, there have been moments of loneliness. Because when you're a pioneer, when you're a change maker, that's what happens, okay? So get used to it, right? But when I'm mayor of Baltimore, I'm going to have a round table, Tom, and that round table, there'll be Republicans, there'll be Democrats, there'll be independents, as long as they are people that have solutions to problems. Do you think the people, the two thirds of the population in this city who struggle every month to make ends meet, do you think they give a rat's butt about what party that idea solution comes from? They need solutions now. They need help now. They don't care about what party it comes from. So Bob Wallace, as an independent thinker, like I said, at that roundtable time, there'll be Republicans, Democrats, independents, black folks, white folks, Latino folks, Asian folks, anybody who can come to the table to solve the problems of this city. That's what I do as an engineer and have done for 40 years.
0: Here's a problem from, uh, let me think. Now I've lost it here on my screen, so let's see if I can get this computer to work. Uh, what would uh, Mr. Wallace do about investors buying properties and leaving them decrepit? This is from a listener in Pigtown. Absolutely. These folks come in, they buy these places. Uh, there's a brewery, a bookstore that are leaving Pigtown. They buy these properties, then they don't do anything with them. Uh, what, As a mayor, what can you do? Uh, To solve that particular specific problem
1: that that's a great question two things number one I would mayor Wallace would use every legal means I have To hold these uh, these owners or landlords accountable hold them accountable And then secondly look at how we can how we can change the law to prevent these absentee landlords from coming in and buying up these 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 houses and these assets our housing stock it's one of the, one of, one of the best uh, assets we have as a city, right? We got thousands of properties that are vacant. That's a part of what I'm going to use to help to build the economy, rebuild the economy of the city. Because, Tom, I'm talking about a Marshall Plan, a Marshall Economic Plan to develop neighborhoods. That plan requires big projects, not little stuff. Big multi-billion-dollar projects. So I'm talking about under Mayor Wallace bringing in, in my first term, bringing in at least a at least a billion dollars of new investment, creating hundred thousand jobs for people in neighborhoods that have been ignored and forgotten about. That's what we need to do in this city. But as the mayor is concerned, whatever laws I have at, at, at my disposal to hold landlords accountable, and then in addition to that, changing the law as much as I can, right, so that that, that kind of a, a poor investment in our city doesn't occur as frequently.
0: What's your opinion of the uh, the BUILD program? Uh, BUILD meaning the Baltimore Baltimoreans United and Leadership Development they have proposed – uh, a, very, a multi-billion dollar yes, plan sir. to address vacant housing. you got a guy named Shlong, uh, Sean Klosky down on the east side in particular building you know blocks at a time. Yes, sir. Uh, but it calls for huge
1: public and private investment. Do you think they're on the right track? You know what? I do think, Tom, they're on the right track. But as I've learned in business and life, it's about execution. Number one, I think 15 years, time frame is too long. I think number two, the $3 billion investment that the mayor was talking about, we need to find ways that we can do this kind of investment where it doesn't take that kind of critical money from the people of Baltimore City. I do believe what I do agree with is the size, right? See, we in Baltimore, we, we have become accustomed to thinking small because when you've been disappointed so many times as our people have, you start, the tendency is to think small. Under Mayor Wallace, we're thinking big. We're going to think big because we need Marshall Plan level projects to rebuild this economy. See, we got to rebuild this economy, Tom, in a way that it benefits everybody in Baltimore, especially the two thirds of the people who are unemployed and underemployed. So under Mayor Wallace, that new economy I'm talking about is going to lift everybody in the city. Secondly, we're going to re-engineer government, how government delivers services. I talked to you about my mayor centers, right, moving services from downtown into the villages so they can be closer to the people who need those services. We can use technology in a very powerful way. I'm an engineer. I built tech companies. We can use technology to make that process smoother to do it quicker. That's the kind of innovation the next mayor has to have. And you're not going to get that from the people that you've been 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 voting for in year after year after year. Tom, you know, one of my uh one of my uh, uh, someone said recently that that you cannot use the same mindset, I think it was Albert Einstein. You cannot use the same mindset, Tom, that created the problem to solve the problem. It requires a different mindset. And that's what Mayor Wallace brings, a different mindset. I
0: want to ask you about the scope of that problem after we take a couple of calls. Let's Please. go to Tracy, who's calling from Hamilton. Tracy, welcome to Midday with mayoral candidate Bob Wallace. Hi there. And what's, yeah, your, I what's your question? Uh, uh, Mr. Wallace's take on the uh, situation in the city. They came up not too long ago with the uh, BGE conduit deal. Um, I, as a taxpayer, I'm not certain that I got a, a, good, a
1: good deal on that. And I was wondering if what your opinion is and how you would have handled it. Great question, sir. First, let me say that my company, my IT company, has been supporting the city of Baltimore government for over 30 years. I am very familiar with the conduit system. That surrounds the city because we have to be a part to uh, in building. So it. So you've been paying into it. You've uh, been renting it. Well, we 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 have in the past, but I understand the dynamics, the engineering behind, it and all that. Now, on this particular question, it, as I recall, the voters of the city said no on that idea.
0: Well, the voters never got a chance to vote on it. Okay. No, no. It, it, the city council uh, and the board of estimates uh, approved a deal that the uh, legal department of the city uh, worked out with. BGE. BGE they they, they yeah. changed the nature of the arrangement mm-hmm. for from BGE being a, a renter to a, a to an owner and and taking taking uh, responsibility for repairs and all that kind of stuff. But there are a lot of people on the city council, uh, the comptroller, the president of the city council who did not think it was a good deal, uh, but
1: then it went through anyway. Yeah, yeah, it did. So so as mayor Wallace, I'm going to be very very focused on what the what the desires are of the people. I'm a very servant-based leader. And so I'm looking to understand what do the people want in most situations. Now, there will be times when a leader and the mayor in particular has to make decisions that may not be popular, that may not be, you know, that, that, that people, you know, have, have an issue with, but he or she must make the decision because they believe it is the right thing to do. That's what courage political leadership is, having courage as, as a political leader. It is making decisions that are, that are unpopular in some cases, but making them because they're the best in the best interest of the people. So Mayor Wallace is not interested in being a thermometer where I read, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm interested in being a thermostat where I set the direction and help the people to understand the value proposition that they will follow me. Before I get to some more uh, emails and calls, um, you're talking about two-thirds
0: of the city being underemployed or unemployed. Yes, sir. Um, the, the economic uh, reports that I've been reading recently, I mean, uh, the Department of Labor said in the month of September, for example, the unemployment rate in the Baltimore metro area is 1.8%. Mm-hmm. So uh, where do you get two-thirds? That, that seems high to me.
1: So you have a great question. So if you look at the poverty level, right, so the federal poverty level says, uh, that, says that, that a family of four that makes just under $28,000 qualifies and in the federal poverty below the federal poverty level. If you take 150% of the federal poverty level and people that 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 make that earn in that range that puts it up to 45,000 a year to 50,000 a year, then that's that's the other group that makes up that 2 thirds And so you look at you talk to the people in these neighborhoods Some people are working two or three jobs. See, see the unemployed. Tom, the unemployed are people who are working, but they have the capacity and the intelligence to do, to do, uh, to to do better, to have a better job, but not the opportunity. My job as mayor is to give those people the opportunity to be in a better job where they can make a decent living wage. Bob Wallace is my
0: guest. He's a businessman running in the Democratic primary for mayor of Baltimore. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall, 410-662-8780. Our email, midday at org. Let's go to the phones again to Fandrea uh, from Baltimore City. And, uh, Fandrea, I understand you have a question for Mr. Wallace about crime.
1: Yes, I do. Good afternoon, everyone. And I'm calling because I would like to know. I would like for Mr. Wallace to share his crime plan when it relates to juvenile, uh, that, that we're that's just risen in our city, state, country. Mr. Wallace, good afternoon. Please share with the listening audience about your crime plan and possibly your education plan. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely, great, great question. Let's take the crime plan first. So, so my my pl- uh, crime plan is based upon what we call the PIE system. P I E E. What does that mean? The P is prevention, right? The I is intervention. The E is enforcement, and then and then the the other E is evaluation. All right. So crime is like cancer, Tom. Right? If you can prevent it, that's the best solution. How you eat, how you exercise. Okay. You can, you can minimize cancer from happening. Same way is true in crime. So we're going to look at programs that will allow us to, to, to prevent the crime from happening. And that ties into the economy. And it ties into education, and I'll come to her education uh, question. The second uh, is the I intervention. So people who have already moved their, moved into that that way of living, right? We want to intervene, right? Now we had the 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 the, uh, the, the program uh, it was a safe um, safe street, safe street, which you've okay? called for eliminating. I, it, I would eliminate right? it because, Tom, because because they're it was, all about intervention. Absolutely, That's the whole the whole deal with that. Good idea, poorly poorly implemented. Good idea, poorly implemented. But there are other programs we have in the city, like ROCA, right, that that have intervention efforts that are more, that are successful. So, Mayor Wallace will look at those programs across the board and determine which ones are really, really working. Now, on the enforcement, here's the deal, Tom. It, it, you know, I'm gonna be really clear and, and, and hard on crime, right? If you're old enough to do the crime, you're old enough to do the time. But here's the difference. Mayor Wallace is going for, for, to her question about youth offenders, right? When I was a kid, Tom, we had something called Boys Village. You probably too, you don't remember that Boys Village. But it was a place where boys like Bob Wallace, who were going the wrong direction, right, were sent to to get their lives in order. So, so, so be clear, young people, you cannot break the, break the law and not have consequences. There will be consequences. So in my first 100 days uh, as mayor, we're going to do a couple of things. Number one, we're going to shut down these open drug markets that happened in Baltimore, and Cherry Hill. All the places. We're going to shut them down. Number two, we're going to, you know, the loitering laws to the degree that we can do them and stay within the confines of the consent decree, we're going to make it clear, you cannot disrupt businesses who try to make a living and meet the needs of the people in the city. Third thing we're going to do, we're going to, I'm going to put a person in the police department, Tom, whose sole purpose is to develop crime-fighting strategies for the small businesses in the city because what's happening is the bad guys are squeezing out the businesses they can't they can't do business guys hanging out in the corners they got to increase their security the cost of doing that they're not successful because of the uh, because of the crime factor and then the last e and pie is is evaluation looking at every situation and evaluating time again using business principles what is our success what does what does the, what do the numbers say about how we're implementing this. So what's neat about this is it is it rolls right into my village system because every village will have a different uh piece of, of pie, right? Because what works in 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 in, in, in uh in, in Federal Hill may not work in Cherry Hill. Because they're different communities. But what about
0: uh looking at it from a thirty thousand foot view sure. I mean, Brandon Scott has said that the GVRS, the group violence reduction strategy, Mm -hmm. is a coordinated, holistic approach to uh, uh, attacking not just uh, the people perpetrating crimes, but the root causes that they are involved in that life. Uh, And it's not just enforcement, but it is enforcement uh, in addition to incentives to do, uh, to to live a different way. And uh, he would make the point uh, that the uh, attempts at this have been tried and they've been kind of half-hearted. They, they have been mm. interrupted. They, ha- they, they haven't been sustained over a period of time. And that over the period of time in, in his administration, they have been sustained, and we're seeing the results. Uh, you know be as we mentioned the, the positive trends in the murder and the homicide rate so so uh, it's, it safe streets is a part of that yes but if you get rid of safe streets um, uh, do you do you keep the police commissioner do you keep the head of uh, the mayor's office of neighborhood safety and engagement do you keep uh, the deputy mayor for public safety do you keep uh, the the people from the housing department and the uh, job opportunities task force etc. I mean it, it's it's a holistic strategy. Um,
1: what what
0: what are you what are you talking about that's, that's substantially different Absolutely. than what we're doing
1: right now? Well, the, the the biggest part is there's nothing in there that talks about economically developing neighborhoods of these uh, of our of our city. Tom, if you look at uh, uh, uh nonviolent crimes. About 69 to 70 percent of the crimes that are committed are what I call economic crimes. They are people committing crimes because they need to get money to live off of. There are three kinds of crimes. And, and you're right in that 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 a strategy has to address all three types of crimes. What are they? There are crimes of conflict. Right. Not a kid in Cherry Hill. We used to fight each other for whatever reason. Right. Couldn't didn't know how to manage conflict. So they are crimes of conflict. Then there are crimes of addiction. My mother was a recovering alcoholic. Many of my buddies in Cherry Hill were heroin addicts. I know about addiction. I don't need to read a book about it. Don't need to watch a documentary. I've lived it, Tom. I know what it means. But there are crimes of addiction that men and women need to find a way to meet their addiction. But then there are crimes of necessity. And that is the biggest non-violent uh, uh, crime that we have in Baltimore City. About 70% of our crimes are, are economic crimes. So I get back to my point about the economy. If we build an economy where men and women have decent paying jobs and they can they raise their children and raise their families, this crime is going to go away. It's going to go away in a big way. In addition to that, Tom, is the education system. Imagine the education system in Baltimore City where our babies come in in, in the kindergarten and they stay in the system properly educated till they graduate in the 12th grade into an economy that can absorb them. So what Bob Wallace is going to do, we're going to have a demand-driven education system. We're going to do a curriculum audit on the, on the system to to determine if it's the right system for our kids. We're going to have three tracks under Mayor Wallace. We're going to have a track for college, like I went through. We're going to have a track for the trades. And we're going to have a track for entrepreneurship. We're going to teach our babies how to become entrepreneurs if they choose to move in that direction. And that will be institutionalized into the Baltimore city education system. I am a product of the Baltimore city education system, Tom. I went to Cherry Hill elementary, Cherry Hill middle, Polytech. From Polytech, I went to university of Pennsylvania, Ivy league school, study engineering, went to grad school at Dartmouth, another Ivy league school. I say that not to impress you, but to make the point that the, public education system is capable of producing men and women that can compete on a global level. I'm an example of that. Kurt Smoke, Bishop Thomas, Billy Murphy, all of us came through the Baltimore school system, right? Let us go back to those days where we are training our babies to be world leaders and world competitors. And we will come back and talk more
0: about other issues in addition education and crime. Bob Wallace is a businessman running in the Democratic primary for mayor of Baltimore. We'll have more with Mr. Wallace, 410-662-8780. If you'd like to join our conversation, our email midday at WIPR.org. The phone lines have uh, one or two open, but uh, they are pretty full. We will try to get to as many of them as we can after this quick break. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us. This is member-supported 881 WYPR, your NPR news station. And welcome back. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. If you've just joined us, my guest is Bob Wallace, who along with former Baltimore Mayor Sheila Dixon and six other candidates is challenging incumbent Mayor Brandon Scott in the Democratic primary for mayor of Baltimore. You are welcome to join us at 410-662-8780 our email midday at WIPR.org. And let's go to the phones to Barbara who's in Gwyn Oak. Barbara, I understand you have another question uh, about a, a, a public safety issue that's been in the news uh, very recently. What's your question for Mr. Wallace?
1: Yes, Mr. Wallace uh, and guests. I would like to know what is your take or position In reference to criminals let out of jail for good credits and recommitting crimes, there's a law, I think, being proposed. What is your position in trying to correct and resolve this situation?
0: Thank you, Barbara. This is a, a, a law that's uh, just uh, talked about just in the last couple of days uh, being proposed in the General Assembly. Uh, Ivan Bates, the state's attorney here, is behind the law, uh, and it has to do with Pavel LaPierre, the uh, tech entrepreneur who was uh, brutally uh, mm-hmm. assaulted and murdered uh, just last I knew before. her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so this is a, a law because the uh, alleged perpetrator of that crime was let out of prison early because he picked up uh, good credits while while he was
1: incarcerated. So as as mayor Wallace, my number one priority will be the safety of the people of this city. And wherever that takes me, that's where I will go. I do believe that we need to find creative ways to 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 rehabilitate folks who have made bad choices. And 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 show that they can move in a better direction because our 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 system, our correction system does not correct anymore. It just warehouses and we have to find a way to really correct people. And so and so that will be a, a priority for me. But let me be clear. The safety of the people is 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 my number one priority. So if that if that law will enhance the safety of the people of Baltimore City, then I will support it. I will support that.
0: Mm, because the the carceral system, as people now refer to it, you know, the, the over-incarceration, particularly of young African-American yes. men, is, you know, a problem that people have recognized now for decades. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's a balance right. between, uh, you know, if you do the crime, you pay the time right. or you spend the time. Right. But uh, on the other hand, you know, there's a, a number of people um, you know, who, who are incarcerated for too long.
1: Absolutely. No question about it. I am very familiar with the effect of mass incarceration on black and brown communities as a black man. I get it. I get it. But it ties back to my, to the economy issue, Tom, because if we had an economy where these young men are able, are able to get jobs to raise their families, then we would, we would do away with much of this incarceration system. Remember the three crimes I told you about crimes of conflict, crimes of addiction, crimes of necessity or economic crimes. I bet you, I would bet you two-thirds of those young men who are in prison, they're in prison because of economic crimes. So I submit to you again, to the people of Baltimore, if we fix the economy, where we create jobs in the neighborhoods of people, then we will fix the crime issue and we will fix the education uh, dysfunction. Um, I want to ask you about... Population
0: decline. Yes, sir. Because uh, it's a serious issue here is. in the city. We're under 600,000 people for the first time since the 19th century. Yes, sir. Uh, what is your uh, your take on attracting more people to the city? How do we build the tax base? How do we build the population? Because we've got uh, one of the reasons we have so many vacant houses is uh, a lot of those houses
1: were built when the population was, was nearly double. Absolutely. To be a great city, Tom, two things have to happen. You need great leadership, a competent leadership, and you need a population who is capable of being great. So 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 my my feeling is, is that is that we need, to, again, to build this economy such that the people in, in, in the cities are able to, to, to get the jobs, to raise their families and not have to rely upon, you know, government or any other you know, sources to make that happen.
0: For the mayor and for the city of Baltimore to be involved
1: in private sector business development, right. how does that work? So what, what government does is it has to minimize the risk of investment, right? It has to minimize the risk of investment, and it has to make the environment conducive to businesses who want to do business here. I will tell you, Tom, over 20 years ago, I moved my tech company from Howard County to downtown Baltimore. And I can tell you, it's been tough. Why? Because I've had employees carjacked in broad daylight. I've had my building broken into. It's difficult for me to attract technical talent to Baltimore City. It's difficult for me, for my customers who don't live in the city, to come to Baltimore. They love our company. They love our work. But they're afraid to come to Baltimore. Did you see the recent Dave Chappelle um, show on Netflix, the, the Comedian, where he threw Baltimore under the bus? Guess what? That is the image that Baltimore has around the nation and and around the world. So why would we continue to put leaders in place that cannot change that equation? Because the leaders that I'm competing against, they were part of part of the process that got us to this point. So why would we go back to putting them in place again when we know what results we're going to get? So I'm asking people, of Baltimore, hey, folks, look at this. I'm saying there's a better future for Baltimore. There's a better direction. There's a better strategy. And I think Bob Wallace is the person to help get us there. But I need their help. I need their votes. I don't think it was Chappelle. It was a different guy. It okay. was, I forget who, what his well, name Well, no, was. Dave Chappelle did a show on Netflix. You Go check it out. Oh, yeah? Recently, yep. Number two, highest Because I
0: saw that, and I don't remember him throwing Baltimore. Oh, you yes, he did. He threw a bunch of people on it. Well, 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 he did. did. But okay, he my director's to... telling me he did, so I don't remember <laughs> that. <from him. laughs> Wasn't paying attention. <laughs> um with the Baltimore, or with the Board of Estimates in Baltimore City. Yes, sir. Uh, it's currently five people, three appointed by the mayor. There yes, are sir. those who are proposing, including one of the candidates for uh, City Council President, Shannon Sneed, has proposed a uh, reduction in the size of the Board of Estimates to three people mm-hmm. just the mayor, the comptroller, and the president of the sta- City Council. What's your take on that
1: issue? I totally disagree. Let me tell you why. If I'm the mayor, and you hold me accountable for certain outcomes in our city, then you've got to give me the resources to do it. You cannot make me accountable but not let me have the resources. But so, how is five people on the
0: Board of Estimates a resource for the well, mayor?
1: Well, I think right now, as you said, three are appointed by the mayor. So the mayor has a lot of influence, leverage in that, in that body mm-hmm. right now. Now, we say, well, that, that's not a good thing. Well, not necessarily. It depends on the leadership. If you have ethical well-trained, focused leadership, then the system that has been created will deliver the right kinds of outcomes. When you have corrupt leaders, when you have unethical leaders, when you have leaders who don't do what they're supposed to do, then any system is not going to produce results that benefit the people. So let's not throw out this the system because of what's been done in the past. Let's get ethical leaders. Let's get leaders who can lead who have a servant leadership, uh, um, servant leadership model to help our city to be great.
0: When it comes to leadership, David Smith, who's been in the news in the last 48 hours because he's just purchased the Baltimore yeah. Sun. He's the head of Sinclair Broadcasting, uh, which owns Fox 45 and stations around the country. Right. He is behind uh, an organization that puts ballot initiatives on the ballot. He was the one that put the uh, helped uh, put the uh, initiative to reduce... Uh, to to make term limits for elected officials. He's working to get one now on the next uh, ballot that would reduce the size of the city council from 14 representatives to eight. Do you support that initiative?
1: I'm open to any change that will make government more efficient. And I will tell you, I support it and was very involved in the term limit initiative because Bob Wallace believes that, that political leadership, there should be term limits, including when I'm mayor, I should have a term limit. Because I believe that the usefulness of political two terms, two terms, yes, sir, two terms. Do you
0: uh, think that the city should have it, a chief administrative officer? It's a relatively new position that it Brandon Scott put uh, in place. It's uh, now currently held by Faith Leach. Yes, sir. I
1: believe that the current the current structure is is top heavy. It's top heavy. So, Tom, as a business person, I'm going to look at that and say, how can I better use these dollars? To economically empower the neighborhoods that I'm that I'm focused on developing, and so if it means I got to reduce people have have less positions but still be effective, I'm open to doing that. That's what a business leader does. He he or she balances their resources with their results, and they make the right decisions based upon that. And that's what Mayor Wallace will do.
0: And uh, what is your path uh, to winning? I mean, you, you picked up forty-seven thousand votes in the general yes, election sir. the last time as an independent. Yes, sir. Um, what is I mean when you when, and that was you know. Uh, less than half of the number of votes that uh, Brandon Scott, the eventual winner, yes, sir. got. I mean, do you see a path to actually win the election against two
1: well-known figures like Sheila Dixon and Brandon Scott? So I would say look at the numbers, right? So in the last election, Brandon Scott won the Democratic primary uh, with 29 points, right? So that, so that means that 70 percent of the Democrats did not want Brandon Scott. A recent poll even shows that a big part of the people uh, in a recent poll don't want neither Brandon Scott nor Miss Dixon. So we got a straight path to victory. Bob Wallace is running in the Democratic primary
0: for mayor of Baltimore. It's good to see you, and uh, we'll see see you out on the campaign trail. Thank Thank you so much for your time. God bless you. Our series of conversations with the candidates continues tomorrow with the incumbent mayor of Baltimore, Brandon Scott. And on Monday, I'll speak with Delegate Terry Hill, who's a candidate for Congress in the 3rd District. The Democratic and Republican primaries are on May 14th. Early voting begins on May 2nd. If you're eligible but not yet registered to vote, please get registered. You can register by mail or online up until April 23rd. You can register in person at Board of Elections offices or at polling places up to and including the day of the primary, May 14th. Here and Now is up next after news at the top of the hour. I'm Tom Hall. Thanks for listening. Stay warm. And a reminder, Check in on your older neighbors to make sure that they're handling this cold okay. Make sure that they are safe and have a great day. This is your public radio, 881 WYPR.